0: Could it be you calling me down? down, 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 down. My foolish heart turns out the sound. All that I am is all that you see. You
1: don't need nobody. Welcome to me. another okay. episode of the Sports Mecca me. Podcast, along with my colleague Sam Higeli. I'm your host, Stephen Abramo. Today we have the opportunity to speak with Lincoln Prep Academy Athletic Director and Head Boys Basketball Coach, Ryan Glasgow. Ryan, thanks for coming on today. We appreciate the time.
2: Hey man, thanks for having me, man. I'm pretty glad to be on.
1: Yeah, you know, we'll really kind of start off with, you know, your role right now. You know, as the head basketball coach at Lincoln Prep. You've been at the school since 2018. You started, you know, as an assistant and then kind of moved over once uh, you know, Jerome Williams was the the previous coach and then you kind of took over. You guys have had a lot of success recently in, in your tenure. You know, conference champions in 2019-20 and then this past season. Kind of just, you know, tell us how that experience has been, you know, taking over a new program and building that success.
2: Well, I mean, uh, I would say it's been pretty challenging, you know. But that's what you want when you go into a, a basketball environment is to build a culture, you know, get get things rolling in the direction you feel like they should be going. Uh, before we got to making practice, was uh, the culture wasn't very good. Uh, they weren't winning games. Uh, there's always been a lot of talent at Lincoln, but you know, uh, never just a culture thing where winning was important, playing a certain way, carrying yourself a certain way uh, was important. So building that up has been has been you know challenging, but that's what you. You want as a head coach you want those opportunities uh do that so it's been great man i mean a lot of great kids have uh, come to the program in the last several years you know a lot of great guys working with me um so it, it's been solid uh, you know i wouldn't i wouldn't
1: trade it mm-hmm. so you, you did talk about you know trying to find that culture trying to you know create that culture of winning like really what was kind of some things that you tried to establish with some of these high school kids early
2: well, just the first things first is just to be accountable, you know, have a great work ethic, Uh, you know, show up every day uh, with the right mentality. The bad right mentality is to get better. And, uh, you know, believe in what we're doing. You know, it's uh, when you play high school sports, it's more about the name on the front of the jersey than it is about the name on the back. A lot of times in this culture that we're in now with AAU and everything that's going on, a lot of players get in the mode where they're only worried about themselves. Um, so making the team first, you know, represent your school and your community the right way uh, are all things that we, you know, try to hammer on. Um, On a daily basis, it's a culture shock for a lot of guys at first. A lot of parents, obviously, too, um, had to get adjusted to that. But, you know, once you get that established, uh, it becomes just kind of part of the way things are done. And then kids that are coming into the program just already know that because they followed you up to a certain point. So, I mean, that's the main goal. Just work hard. Um, You know, we put the work in every day as coaches. So when they see you. Be accountable for your actions, work hard, do the things that you're supposed to do. Then you can hold them accountable in the same way and, you know, create a family, culture environment where everybody's working hard and have the same goal. Um, success comes with that. Uh, you know, you've got to take some lumps along the way. Uh, but as long as you learn from them and, you know, you get better,
1: that's that's what it's all about. Mm-hmm. You, you did mention about like you know adjustments this past you know basketball season for for all the high school programs around the country was really difficult you know to navigate through the pandemic you know how much of a challenge was that you know I don't did you guys have like you know any fans at the games you know were you guys just playing games you know in empty gyms.
2: Yeah, it was tough. I mean, it was tough. We definitely uh, didn't have fans. Well, our district didn't allow fans. Thankfully for us last year, I mean, we only had about five home games last year, which is which is tough in itself. Um, but the good part about that was there's a lot of other districts who are allowing, like, minimum capacity fans. So, I mean, a lot of their parents got to see them play. But, you know, for the most part for us, uh, we, we, we did a lot of traveling. But, yeah, there weren't, it wasn't the normal environment of basketball, um, going into a gym full of loud fans and cheerleaders and all of those things. So, yeah, it it was tough. I mean, COVID was a tough year for everybody. I'm glad it's over. I hope that, you know, going into this season for all sports, uh, being AP, things get back to somewhat normal. Um, with the vaccines and things like that. So we have a normal, um, environment for these kids, but it was difficult, um, you know, kind of not knowing whether we were going to play a game the next day or whether you we were going to be on quarantine for a couple of weeks or, you know, one kid goes and hangs out with his family and comes back and tests positive. And then you're all shut down. So yeah, it was, it was really off balance. Um, you know, took a lot of, a lot of work, a lot of paying attention to detail. We got through it. Of course, we didn't want to end up, I think it affected us towards the end of the season because we didn't get to put as much work in. and the off season as we normally would so by the time you get to the end of the season when you really need that hard work to pay off if you don't have that um, it's kind of just who's playing the best it's always that way at the end of the year but you know when you're when you get to put the time in and you know work on your conditioning and your weights and all of that stuff in the off season, it, it pays off at the end of the year so not having that definitely kind of uh, you know threw us off a little bit but uh, we don't make excuses but yeah I mean COVID was tough for everybody so everybody had face the same challenges so that's kind of how it is but mm-hmm. hopefully this
1: year, we'll be the same Right. my last kind of you know coaching kind of question that you know I'll, I'll ask you before I hand it over to my partner Sam He'll, he has a good, he has a good amount of questions ready for you, but just okay. for you, Ryan, uh, you know, who was the first person in your life who said you know you should be a basketball coach, you could be a basketball coach? Have you thought about you know going in this type of direction?
2: Uh, you know it was probably my mom you know she my mom was uh, you know a run a here for and for my entire life that i can remember you know whether it was in home or natural daycare buildings since i can remember so it was always around i was always around her Raising or helping nurture kids and things like that. So um, once my basketball career ended, you know, she was she was like, you should stay involved with the game and get involved with coaching. You got a great impact on kids and kids really respond to you. So you should look into it. And um, you know, uh, she was the one that kind of kind of threw that ball out there for me. I, I kicked it around a little bit and done some youth camps and things like that. Um, you know, as an internship in college, she was like, you should really try to make a career of it. and uh, You know, really really see if you can you know get into high school. Or, you know, because I was doing grassroots and all. All that stuff too but you know she's she's probably the one that that really you know made that reality uh, something that i really tried to push for so i give her credit for that
0: um, welcome to the uh program my first question is um what does your off-season plan look like um how do you keep players in proposition over the summer and then also like how do you balance like your your work with leaking and prep and then with the, the players uh interest and in also playing club battle in the summer
2: well, I mean, uh, you know, the state of Missouri has a certain kind con- amount of contact days that you get uh, with your kids. Uh, that's normally in the month of June. Um, so we max those days out as much as we can. It's about twenty contact days total. I wish it was. I wish they would have unlimited, of course, like most coaches. But uh, we max those twenty days out by doing as much as we can. As far as you know, camp, uh, team camp, getting some events, um, local events that are tournaments, where we can get up to five games um, in a tournament. Um, you know, such as A-10, you know, events or camo um, shootouts. I mean, team camp, you're going to get a lot of games. Um, so we use those days to get as many games in. I think in June, we got 20 games in this year. So which is really the majority of a high school season um, in one month. So and we do summer league uh, as well. So um, outside of that, um, you know, we we do weights and conditioning. Don't count as contact days. So we try to get them in the weight room, um, you know, try to get them running on the track and stuff like that, running a mile, two miles a day, uh, a couple of days a week, stuff like that. Uh, but the weight room is the is the big key for us. Um, You know, we try to get them in there and uh, get them on some cycles, get them stronger, you know, get them bigger as best we can uh with the club thing I mean you know I, I was a part of that world forever uh my sons played so it, it, I think it's great that they play grassroots because it keeps them playing um in AAU but you know we just try to support that and uh, try to support the teams that they play for keep an eye on them talk to the coaches go to the games you know make sure we're having conversations with them during you know those those times like I got kids right now that are in Indianapolis playing on the Under Armour Circuit Rise and things like that and then you know kids that are playing at high V this weekend uh, so we keep track of it we go watch them play um you know we make sure that they're carrying over the same things that we will need for them during the season um you know make sure they're doing that stuff every day and working hard and you know you just got i mean with this this generation of kids you know use all the tools that they use the social media the other things like that and try to keep tabs on them that way because that's the uh, way that these kids communicate so you got to kind of to it and uh, just kind of stay locked in text message whatever you got to do but we we go watch a lot of games and we we stay connected to them that way it's really just about whether they're playing and they're practicing good habits uh, while they're playing that will carry over to what we want to do during the season so um it it, it works out pretty well for
0: us yeah definitely i remember in high school we when i was in high school we go to like we did the camo tournament and then one year we went up to nebraska omaha to the team there then like the next week we went to uh k-state and did a team camp there and uh that helped us uh get a lot more experience get more exposed and help us uh get understand the system a little bit better of what the coach wanted and uh, also like see like who would be the best fit for the uh program uh, as well and uh yeah and like with the grassroots basketball it's been like a really big debate on it like it's been for like a while like high school or would be aau or it's really like eybl or under armor circuit some people like it a lot i think there's a lot of good with grassroots but then there's a lot of really negative things about it where like you see more it's more about the individual more than the team and people we all perceive high school which is honestly which i agree with as more of a team environment as well you learn more play as a team and then like grassroots you more like you try to like maybe try some things that you wouldn't allow or you wouldn't allow say a high school coach that you would probably do in a club game just to show off certain talents to like college coaches
2: oh absolutely absolutely i mean it's 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 about exposure it's about getting a scholarship i mean you know it's about the live periods and playing in front of coaches and everybody's competing to try to get a scholarship but i think what what uh i think that's a lot of that has to do with what programs you're playing for too Um, and what coaches you're playing for. Um, Because at the end of the day, if you, you know, basketball is a team sport. So if you go out and you're playing as an individual, um, a college coach is sitting on the sideline and he sees you not make the extra pass or, you know, not take the charge or, you know, not not execute the play or whatever i mean ultimately you have to do that play for them too so um you know it, it's uh it, it, it can get a little out of hand i think i think more so for for me uh that i was involved in it for for such a long time you know and i have a, I have a i'm a city director for uh, pro skills basketball now it's more developmental you know to, to teach fundamentals and stuff like that that i feel like a lot of kids miss out on but for me grassroots i i it, it has changed a lot to where, um, you know, it's more about the people, you know, more about themselves also, um, you know, they, they are about the players that play for them. So, I mean, you have to think parents and, you know, high school coaches have to sit down and talk to their players and let like, let, hey, listen, this probably isn't the best situation for you. Or of course, you can make whatever decision you want to make. If, you, if you're not going to get better or you're not going to to translate how to play and keep playing the right way, it's more of a hindrance than it is a helpful. So, you know, kids kids these days are easily influenced by, you know, the, the I guess the notoriety and the shoes and the bags and the, the travel and all of that stuff. But I try to encourage kids to be focused on, you know, you still got to go out and play the right way and you still got to be the best version of yourself. Because if you go in front of Coach K, you know, he doesn't want guys that are team guys. You know Bill self doesn't want guys are our team guys you know Conzo Martin I mean yeah they want you to be they want you to be able to hoop but they also want you to be able to fit into a system that they run and you know you got to be still be able to do that so no matter how good you are individually, if you don't make your team better, then you know normally you're not going to get recruited by those types of guys anyway so you know there's a balance that I think these kids have to find. I think a lot of it got out of control there for for quite a while. I think the pendulum might be swinging it back to where it should be. Um, but yeah, it's probably still a long way to go. Actually, I think that the fact that people say an Under Armour team or you have to play for a Nike YBL team, um, you know, I think that's a, I think that's a, a false narrative because there's only a certain amount of spots on those teams, and more of those teams are more regional now than they are just just specific city you know those are more regional programs that put kids from you know different states all together and they're normally the better players in their their region so if you get yourself to that level and you can play for one of those teams great you could be you know on the BL that's great if you can be on Under Armour that's great um Adidas you know got or Golds or whatever it is that's great but you know if you can play um, you know then you're you you're in the right spot at the right time it's really all about timing and taking care of business you'll still get an opportunity
0: yeah one guy I think of when it came to that like Marcus Garrett for KU guard uh former KU guard now uh he didn't even he didn't play a or club he just like played high school and just like just prat, yeah. focused on training and he was still able to get a scholarship to play at KU and so definitely so definitely like love would definitely grassroots helps but it's not like a necessary thing. Focus on the fundamentals, focus on what you can control and continue just be a good teammate and just uh have the right attitude every day, and it's worked itself out. I agree.
2: I agree. I mean, you got to look at the international players. I mean, look
0: at come folders.
2: he didn't play AAU. I mean, you know, so those guys are the, the prime example of if you're learning and you're working on your game. You know, I mean, look how many international players are in the league right now as superstars. I mean, you got Luca. You got all these guys that that didn't play grassroots AAU. They didn't play on the EYBL, but I mean, you know, they played it. I mean, of course, they played with their national teams and things like that, but. They're obviously working on what they're supposed to be working on, and that—that, that, that, like you said, that's more important than you know if you're playing for an EYBL or Under Armour team. Because if you can play, you're, you're gonna put yourself in a situation where you'll be okay. So I think the international game definitely helps um, with, with kids. You can look at how how those guys work and what they the time they put it in, and it's changing it's changing the way the way coaches look at players to come in to help them and to help their team. So.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. So another, one thing I'm really curious about is how much different is it coaching a seven-year academy like Lincoln versus like a year high school like a Lake the South or a Shawnee East?
2: Well, I mean, Lincoln's not necessarily a seven-year academy. I mean, we have a middle school. It's a public school. It's just a, uh, you know, it's just a signature school where you have to test to get in. It's a high academic uh, environment. So, I mean, it's not like a, like a prep school, like a Sunrise or a... Year or something like that. It's it's a public school, so I mean people don't have to pay to go there or anything like that. So I mean it's a four year high school. It's the same as it's the same as an Olathe North or an Olathe School or an Lee Summit School or something like that. But you know it's it's a little bit different because the kids have to maintain a 2.5 GPA to stay there. Uh, like if you go, so for example, if a kid goes a semester and gets below a 2.5 GPA, they're automatically put on academic probation. So then, if you do that, if you do that twice below a 2.5 GPA, then they'll send you to your home school or whatever your you know school based off your address. So uh, it's a little bit different in that regard. Other than facilities, and you know what I mean, at nature where an Olathe school or something like that may have three gyms. Logistically, you know, those types of things are the only difference as far as high school is concerned. It's it's the same otherwise, but economically, um, things like that are challenges versus. You know, a school like a 6A school in the suburbs that has two football fields, three football fields, three gyms, uh small, it looks like a small community college campus, you know, those are the only differences. But And Lincoln's always one of the top schools in the nation. It's always the number school in the state of Missouri, um, as far as, you know, that's concerned. Uh, you know, that, that gives you a little leg up. Uh, as a coach, you don't necessarily have to worry about anybody being academically ineligible. So, you know. It's pluses, but otherwise the same challenges that any other high school would face um, with with getting kids in and getting them better, and you know, time they step in as freshmen to the time they leave as seniors.
0: Yeah. Do most of most of like your players stay like all seven years? So they start in middle school and then they end up getting their grad when they're a senior in high school.
2: Normally, I mean not. I mean you know some of them. I say the majority. I say the majority. But I mean we have kids that come in as freshmen, uh, sophomores, juniors. They transfer to the school. I mean it's all about whether they can test to get in. Though I mean you know that's the key. So if you're coming from a public school or a different school, and you you know you're academically, you have to have a certain credits, certain amount of credits, and a certain amount of IB and things like that. Be on track to be IB um, and things like that. So yeah, I mean we the majority go to the middle school and then filter their all the way through you know we have we have kids transferring in as, as freshmen sophomores uh some juniors not as many juniors because of the academic um requirements and the things that you have to you have to have a certain course completion already um in order to get in that rate but i mean it happens every now and then
0: definitely i yeah definitely like i definitely would say like prep schools do like a really good job uh focusing on the academic side uh making it like make it a little bit stricter to uh make to be able to help uh, create, like, that discipline, help get them prepared for that next level in life uh, compared to, like, the public schools. Um. So that that definitely is, a, it's definitely great in that in that regard. Um, and also, I think, like, some perception people go for, like, just, like, to get, like, a D1 scholarship, but really, like, the academic side is, like, the most important thing with a prep school is it gets you ready for, develop you not just to get into college, but to develop those skills to thrive in college and be able to succeed in college and develop those learning skills that will just uh, take you further into whatever avenue that person would choose to go into.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, if you graduate from Lincoln Prep, you're going to get a lot of academic uh, opportunities to go to college and have a lot of uh, scholarship money academically, uh, which is, is a bonus you can technically get an athletic and an academic scholarship and technically be getting paid to go to school. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, if you can have that, the NIL and all that stuff now is, is great for kids, but I mean, you know, like yeah, if you if you graduate from Lincoln, you're going to be successful in, in college because of the rigorous um, academic stuff that you have to go through just to graduate from Lincoln in general. So, um, you know, you'll be prepared when you get to college. You won't be overwhelmed because a lot of IB courses and the things that they take your junior and senior years um, are college level credits um, mostly anyway. So, yeah, you have a good foundation when you touch that. That goes a long way. I mean, we all know when you get that first year of college, if you're not prepared, man, a lot of us end up on academic probation that first year of college. You know what I mean? Because for one, you're on your own, you're partying, you know, you're doing all the things that you didn't necessarily get to do without somebody watching you all the time. So, you know, it's good to have a good foundation and be prepared on how to handle academics like that before you get there. So that's the great thing about living Prep for sure.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so far at Lincoln Lincoln Prep and throughout the year's coaching, um who would you say is the most talented player you've coached and who would, who is the most talented player player you had to go against?
2: Oh, uh, wow, that's pretty close, man. I mean, uh, I would say the most talented player we've had so far in our short period of time there. You know, we got some young guys that are really talented now. So don't, I, I, you know what I mean, I don't wanna take away from them, but I go with uh I'll go with our, our senior from last year, Jay Sean Jefferson, who's probably the best all around player that we've had up to this point. You know, we had a kid our first year there and just we just didn't have enough time with the uh, his name was AJ. We, just, we didn't have enough time with him. Only had, he was a senior when we got there. So you don't really have enough time to develop, um, you know, the relationships and the system and things like that. So we had uh, several years with Jay Sean. And he got to develop into, you know, what we wanted him to develop into. He had a good skill set when we got to him. But uh, we got some kids now that are young, that are extremely talented. A kid named Israel Randall, who will be our junior uh, starting PG. Um, you know, he plays for Marcus Denman. He's, you know, extremely talented. We got a lot of talented young players and a lot of talented kids in, at Lincoln now, but I would say the most talented kid that we played against, man, that's, uh, I mean, we, we we beef up our schedule. Um, I do that intentionally because, you know, I'm not as concerned about wins and losses during the season as I am wins and losses during the postseason. So for me, I, I'd rather take the lumps and get better and have the film. I mean, we played against Bishop Miege, We played against Rockhurst. We played against... Rockbridge out of Columbia, you know, we, we we put those teams on our schedule purposely um, so that our guys can stack up and see where they stack up. And, you know, that's a good film for you to send to college coaches and say, hey, I'm going to end up with this guy, uh, you know, the Mark Mitchells, the Taj Mannings, and all those guys that, are, that play at age or Blue Valley Northwest, we play them, you know, pretty much every year also. So, I mean, all of those guys have to, all of those teams have to, um, so, I mean, if our guys want to be it mentioned in the same breath as them, we had to go stack up against them. So, I mean, those those teams all have probably the most talented kids that we played against. You know, that's what you have to do. And a lot of high school coaches don't do that. They just stack their schedule. Because, you, you know, every two years you get to do your schedule. You can go in and make it to where you can win 20 games if you want. Uh, but then when you get to districts, you know, do those games pay off for you or not as far as what type of competition you play all year? Are you ready to play against the better teams? I would rather you know, take some lumps and take some L's if I have to. Um and then just to be prepared for that. So
0: Definitely I I love the fact that you actually go are not afraid to go in against like a lot of these like top teams and like who have like a lot of the top players. I think I think that helps develop like teaches your team to have like a growth mindset rather than a fixed mindset. Uh be able to learn from learn from the learning from playing against some of the best players because sometimes when you play against the best players and you play against somebody who you match up who may be like you may be evenly talented with you have like such a huge advantage over over that team because you've you've played against people who are just who are who are basically above above talent wise then than your team would be and then you so you have an understanding about what get what what you need to do to get to the top as as well and i i think that's uh that's great that helps build that culture up to uh, be able to play fearlessly and uh being able to to go out there and just see what you can do and uh give it the best you can yeah
2: absolutely i mean these guys play against these guys in the summer anyway I mean, you know, if they're 15, 16s, it gets isolated and you have to play against, you know, top-tier talent if you're going to be on a a really good grassroots team. And, yeah, you know, you just go. If you lose the game, you know what I mean? It's not like it's a make-or-break deal until the end of the year. I mean, you know, high school basketball, everybody gets in. So, I mean, you know, in Missouri, everybody gets in. You know, start 0-0, you know, your record. I mean, as far as seeding, it might have an impact on where you get seeded in districts, but... You know, you go and play against the best talent, and your team is battle-tested. That's that's my philosophy on high school basketball is: that's to be battle-tested at the end of the year. If we played against some of the better teams, and we go in districts and we play against whoever it is, then we'll be fine. And uh, you know, you won't be intimidated by anybody. You'll already be prepared. And you can go in and just you know, and and hey, not to mention, I mean, we go in those games thinking we're going to win. I mean, we don't go in those games thinking, you know, we're gonna get beat. We go in those games and prepare those games just like we would for anybody else, thinking we're gonna win the game, uh, regardless of who uh, puts in a, who has a uniform or who straps up or whatever. We, you know, this is we're going in here thinking we're gonna beat these teams, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna game plan to try to take those guys out of the game, and you know. If we're successful to do that, then great. Uh, if not, then, you know, as long as we compete and we show that we belong there. Because I think that's, that's our issue with inner city. We're an inner city basketball team. We're an inner city school. So a lot of teams don't think that, you know, because we're not in the suburban conferences or, you know, the things like that, that, that we don't belong. We carry that chip on our shoulder, like we want to go in and prove that we belong, um, you know, with anybody that that, that's in the metro. And uh, when they come play us, after they walk off the gym, if they beat us, then they know they had a hell of a game. And they, you know, they'll they'll, that you earn respect like that um, around the city and in the metro and in the state. And then your kids get opportunities uh, from that. So
0: yeah. Yeah, definitely having that, like, why not us mentality is a is definitely something, like, that you've probably instilled in your in your team. And, like, also, I remember, like, one of my coaches always said, like, you know, you may be playing against somebody talented, maybe viewed as more talented, but, you know, they're like you. They put their pants on one leg at a time, and sometimes you got to have that mentality. It's so, like, you know what, they may be, they, people say they're talented, but we, we're definitely capable of beating them. Yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, it's
2: just, you know, this is basketball. um, You know, but you got to, but what that does though, it teaches you a lot about what life's all about. Like, if you and I are going for the same job, you know, if you learn how to compete and how to go after things that you want um, and not be intimidated by situations and in your life lessons after sports, then you're going to be able to go in and do the same thing. And you're likely to be a lot more successful than so someone that's never faced that type of adversity or taken, has in failure. I mean, if you've got failure, you learn from failure more than you learn from success. So, you know, if you take a lump in Somebody pounds you in one game, then, you know, what are you going to do about it? You know, are you going to get back to work and let it happen again? Or are you going to get back to work and you're going to be the one that does the pounding that time, you know? And then that's the, that's the way you have to filter your way through life. I mean, you know, the jobs are available. If you don't apply and you don't interview well or if you're not prepared, you know what I mean? If you don't go in and give your, put your best foot forward, then the next guy gets the job. It translates into whatever we do. I try to keep that mentality. It's try to teach them as many life lessons out of this thing as I can because I know that's what basketball taught me. Um, even though, you know, I didn't make it to the NBA or any of that stuff. The life lessons that I learned from playing are, are things that help help me day in and day out. So I want that to be what it's about for these kids too. And then if they get the opportunity to play at the highest level, they're great. You know, otherwise they'll be prepared for whatever comes their
0: way in, in life and um, you know, they'll normally be okay. So Yeah, I would say like every I basically basketball taught me how to deal with failure. Um I was a person that got cut three times, like seventh, eighth, and ninth. But so kept like persevering and just kept working hard, didn't give up, and I was able to make, be able to start on senior night as a senior. And uh, if I did if I would have just given up, I don't think I would be the person I am today and have some of the lessons that I that I that I remember. And then like whenever things get tough for me, I just go back to that and then realize I overcame overcame that, and then I was able to uh, help me be able to push myself and be able to uh, get to that, get to uh, where I eventually want to go. And it's important. That's the thing about sports is uh, not just about the game, but it's the lessons that you can uh, carry over through life. And those are the things that, that are everlasting. Oh, absolutely.
2: Absolutely. I mean, it's a small percentage that get to do anything with the game that helps them financially. Uh, So, you know, yeah that's what it's all about i mean that's that's what high school sports is supposed to be about although a lot of it has transitioned with the aau and with the high school and everything now it's all about more than that but i mean ultimately at the end of the day if you can take that from it um that's what high school sports is definitely all about um you know it's got guys that'll play high school basketball they'll never play basketball except for maybe in a rec league or something like that um for the rest of their lives but They'll go going to be productive citizens, and they'll do good things based off of those experiences of hanging out with their teammates, and you know, coaches just just jumping on them and keeping them in line and making them work hard, and you know, that, that's really what it's all about for me.
0: Yeah, awesome. Um, what are what are rules and changes you like to see at the high school level, and then what is something that you would like to see uh, changed about youth sports, especially in basketball?
2: Um, definitely, for Missouri high school uh, basketball, we need a shot clock. You know because the game is is so much faster the kids are so much more they're so much bigger they're stronger they're more athletic the speed of the game changes you know i definitely definitely want a shot clock that's something i advocate for you know something something i advocate for on a regular basis every chance i get you know and, and what i mean is we need a shot clock first and foremost because that that will help these kids translate into the next level you know get them prepared uh, if they are going to play at the next level. So so for me, that's the main thing I, I talk about the most. Um, everything else this, is what it is. I mean, the rules are pretty pretty standard across the board. They are what they are. But, yeah, that's the one thing I would rather see get, get changed. And uh, what was, you know, talking, you asked me about youth sports. Yeah, what would I like to see U sports? I would like to see no zone in youth sports. You know especially at a certain level now there's 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 certain types of zones like it, it here's my thing with the zone like I, I i use it you know we mix it up we use it when it's necessary to use it because in high school and you know college you know if you're you're you know you're still you still have to win you still have to keep a job and things like that but for you sports when i go out and see a second grade or third grade team playing a two-3 zone that, it just burns me up <laughs> burns me up because you know, for me, that's not teaching that kid how to play basketball the right way, like you, you know you're gonna to need to be able to guard somebody or something, so you know for me, like I wish that they would get rid of it into, to a certain up to a certain level. You need to play man to man so that you learn how to play the fundamentals, you know how to do the things that you need to do i I, I really wish which tournaments would not allow it at certain age levels. Uh, you know, when you get to the 16, you know, get to the sixteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen things like that. Um, you know, a lot of coaches wanna see if you can do it. So you, like a Jim Bayhawk was like you run a, a matchup <laughs> zone to, you know, play for him. But a lot of his matchup zone is basically man to man anyway. So, you know, so it's it's uh Scott's zone principles but you need to learn how to play some defense you know impressing when you're in kindergarten and first grade and second grade you know it doesn't really people don't handle the ball kids don't handle the ball that well at those young ages anyway so pick up pick up the man half court play defense learn how to be an help side learn how to you know do all those things that 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 will help you be a, a really good player at some point um, but other than that i mean i just think that everybody needs a shot clock after a certain age and, uh, you know, coaches need to stay away from playing zone just to win games because <laughs> if you're in fifth grade, fourth grade and you're winning because your team plays two, three zone and nobody can shoot the ball yet, it really doesn't mean anything. Uh, you can brag and boast all you want but at the end of the day, <laughs> you know, and that kid gets to middle school or high school. if They can't guard anybody. This doesn't matter. They're going to be sitting down watching, you know, um, and then they can blame you because they didn't you, you didn't teach them anything. <laughs> you know, you had him. You had him for six years, and you played two three zone all six years. You didn't teach them how to play man to man. Then when they get to high school and get cut from the team because they can't guard my grandma, <laughs> then you know you can't be mad at us. You know what I mean? You should be mad at whoever you let your kid play for all that all that time where they thought they were a star because they were playing zone and nobody could shoot yet. But don't, that's just uh, don't get me on that soapbox with that man. But, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's where I'm at with it. Man. That's where I'm at with it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, well, I definitely, yeah, I, I definitely agree with with everything you said. Uh, with the shot clock, we actually we had Ed Fritz interviewed him, and we asked him the same thing, and he said the shot clock is something that we need. And height in the Kansas side as well as the Missouri side. Also, I know some club coaches who are advocates for the shot clock, and I, I think that it is time to make it happen. And I think it would make the game better. And also, with the youth basketball. It made me think about, I was reading uh, Mike Matheny's uh, autobiography, and he talked about, like, the problems with youth courts, and uh, it was similar to what he said about game defenses. It's like the coaches are more emphasized on winning games rather than the, the development of players, and then, like, you see some of these youth, kid, youth just get burnt out on force because they're really, their coaches are emphasizing winning rather than the uh, player development. And one of the good things when I was playing uh, youth basketball was, I think well we played this one league and they would not allow pressing at all. Like you had to it was pretty much half you had to rely on half court basketball and, they, and it definitely taught me a lot about the game and uh and I, I think I think in youth basketball it's important to just focus on the fundamentals and develop the love for the game and I also think that it's important to teach up multiple positions for everybody like everybody should learn how to play the point everybody should maybe learn how to because at some point some kid hits a gross spur and then or some person, one player, just like who's like six feet in middle school, doesn't grow after that, and has, doesn't even know how to play, have any guard skills because their coaches focus more on being a post player, and then they get to high school and they're no longer a post player. So it's, I believe it's definitely important to develop those skills so eventually when they get older, they'll, they'll hold that skill set so they can continue to play at that level and, and even beyond, and not uh, not maybe get, and not maybe get cut from the team because they don't have that. Skill set that they could have developed as a youth. Oh,
2: absolutely. I mean, basketball's positionless now. It's not about whether you're seven foot or five, eight. You know, you got to be able to play everywhere. I mean, it is what it is. So, yeah, I mean, definitely. You you should be able to handle the ball. You got to be able to shoot. You got to be able to pass. You can't just run to the block if you're the tallest kid. You know, um, that definitely is is a big change. In the game, I mean, I can remember. I mean, I'm six one, and I can remember, you know, playing, you know, in high school, playing against guys where I was playing down in the block. It helped me be a bigger guard. It helped me be, out yeah, but now six one is small. Um, yeah, I agree, man. You got, you got to learn. You got to teach people, and that's kind of why I, I got involved in uh, sports again with, uh, you know, developing you know, with a developmental program is because I see so many kids that just don't learn. The things that they need to learn and uh, you know in order to play for me in high school you got to be able to do all the fundamental stuff you know if you got some sauce to your game and that's all that all comes from having good fundamentals so that, that's part of it so if you learn that early and you learn how to play early and you learn how to do things the right way that, that's that's the way it works you know yeah. it, it, it transition it transitions into what it's supposed to. If you learn early and learn the right way, but a lot of kids are. And then when they get to high school and they get out here on these circuits and stuff like that, then they they are way behind and their parents get a good dose of, of, oh my, what the heck did I do the last seven or eight years? I've been watching my kid play. I thought he was a star. He's not. He's not, because he doesn't know how to do anything these other kids know how to do. So, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, that's that's the one of those things about grassroots and all of that stuff, man. You can start playing in first and second grade now, and it's easily, you know, we got guys out here teaching these kids Euro steps. You don't need a damn Euro step in the second or third grade. You know what I mean? You need to be able to do a left uh, right foot, left foot, right hand layup, right foot, left hand layup. You need to be able to do basic things, you know, the Euro steps and all that stuff. We got trainers teaching these guys all of this stuff in fourth and fifth and sixth grade, you know, but that doesn't really translate to high school basketball until you get to 16, 15, 16, 17 youth where you just have instinctive ability like that. Those are instinctive plays that once you get all the fundamentals down, then those instincts kick in and you're able to do those things um just when you need to, not every time you do a layup. I go to a tournament and I'll watch a kid do a Euro step every layup. and I'm like, man, you don't even have somebody cutting you off. Like, what, what are you, what are you doing a Euro step? You know what I mean? Like that—that's when somebody's cutting you off, or you're, you know, you're getting around a defender or something like that. You don't need to do that just because you learned it at your with your trainer the weekend before. those things hopefully
0: get cleaned up and uh we can get back to basics right yeah definitely like the basic fundamentals like it's it's what it's everybody just looks for flashy now is compared to like many years ago um but uh i think yeah it's like i remember playing basketball like i would sometimes try to like do like some like crazy move and i'd just lose the ball and it'd be a turnover and then like one of the things i remember i learned my coach taught me is like this one when you're handling try and beat your guys like take like simple just take two step back and then make your move and then you can just get by your defender a lot easier versus like maybe try doing like an Allen Iverson or a Tim Hardaway type crossover where you're not really you don't have the speed or the hand quickness quite yet to be able to do that with a defender. And and I think people just get caught up with like like uh the Mixtapes rather than just <laughs> watching like a, a full basketball game where most where players mostly uh, just like just do a basic like like a jab step and they blow by the defender that way or you know they do like a small short jab and then just like make and then make a, a second one and they blow by the defender easily. It's just like flush mo- most basketball games is just the simple stuff that like players like get their points and get their and ones and they're, they be be the most effective rather than like guys just making crazy moves most of the time which like a guy like kobe bryant the late kobe bryant just he just beat guys because he had great he focused on having great footwork and uh that helped him got that quick release and and he didn't you whenever i watched him play he never did like he did there occasionally did like a fancy like move and stuff but mostly it was just like you know pull up dribble good footwork just making shots based on that yeah those things were never planned those things were this instinctive play that you, you know,
2: you take it behind your back. And, you know, that could, But that comes from also, I mean, a lot of these kids, this generation's don't play um, at the playground or anything like that. We learned mm-hmm. all those instinctive plays by playing at the playground and mm-hmm. playing pickup and getting out there and just playing basketball like that. That's what's, now, if you're not playing in the gym uh, in a tournament, you're not just going to the gym and just playing pickup. You know, we try to do a lot of open gym and just let the guys just go play. You know, go figure it out. Because the best part about that is, is when we were growing up, if you went to the park and you lost a game, you weren't playing maybe for two hours. So you might need to go out and win. Then you, you weren't going to be at that court anytime soon. Mm-hmm. You know, so many guys were out there trying to play. Like, to pick on the court after a loss in an environment or a pick up the open gym environment like that, that's competitive. It, it was damn near impossible. Like, you had to go out and try to win. Every time you went out and played, otherwise you would be sitting down for hours waiting to get back on the court. So, yeah. uh, you know, a lot of guys don't play. A lot of don't play like that now. They don't, you, when's the last time you guys went by a park and saw a park full of kids just playing basketball out there? I mean, you know, like that was us every day. I mean, we had to try to stink in our gym. When I was coming up, like, you know, we we got in good with the janitor and, you know, he was, you <laughs> know, you know what I mean? Like, that's mm-hmm. how we got in the gym. Like, we did we were, otherwise we were at the park or, you know, at the playground playing like that. We didn't go into the gym every day and have a tournament mm-hmm. every weekend. And, you know, that's, that's how we, and you know, a lot of that, a lot of that pains these kids. You lose a game at 11 o'clock, you know, you got two more games that day. So losing that game at 11 on Saturday morning, well, I'll well, play again at 3 and i play again at 7. You know, so it's not as big of a deal to take an L like that. We hated to lose because we knew what the consequence of that was. Right. You know, I'm sitting over here and none of the girls are watching me play. They're watching the other guys play. Mm-hmm. I'm over here on the sideline hanging out, you know, waiting to get back on the court. So. It's a different culture. We as coaches have to adjust to it all and we just have to be uh, in tune with it. I think some of the better coaches um, are able to do that. And, uh, you know, still, we, we go one on one with our kids. Uh, and when we're in the gym, every chance we get, uh still prove to them I can't run up and down the court with you guys like I used to be able to, but none of you guys can beat me in any shooting competition or one on one. I'll still smoke you. So, you know, right. that, that's. Uh, that's that's part of you know earning that respect with them and they look look at you a little differently when you can bust them up in the gym um
1: every chance you get too so you know i'm glad that sam and you had this kind of solid conversation about you know kind of bringing back the fundamentals because you know sam and i had probably a couple months ago we talked to aj abrams who played basketball at the university of texas you know when when pj tucker and kevin durant and dj augustine Mm -hmm. they're all on the same team Mm -hmm. and he he really kind of put an emphasis on footwork and being in the right place at the right time. And then kind of like what you were telling Ryan, like, you know, the Euro steps, all that fancy stuff, you know, he didn't really worry about that stuff until he maybe hit the late high school stage developing as a player in college. So, you know, you obviously are the athletic director. I really would like kind of your input on this, you know, Lincoln prep for, you know, they've made a lot of strides within their athletic program. You know, for years, Lincoln prep was the only uh, public school in the Casey school district that did not host games at their school, uh, home football yeah. games. So you guys put a project in, um, I think it was a $3.5 million project, completely revamped. You, know, you guys put the blue turf in, kind of like Boise State. Um, you guys kind of really, really elevated the program. And then, you know, this past year, four players on the football uh, program were able to get D1 scholarships. So kind of you know, really talk about the, the change and the culture, you know, not just on the basketball side, but you know, football and all the other sports.
2: First and foremost, that's a that's a, on the football side um, as far as the team and the development um, and the players. That that that's a tribute to Coach William Lowe and his football staff who have built that program up from the ground up to where you know they weren't even relevant to becoming you know a ten and old team and you know having four Division one scholarships and things like that. And now they got a line a list of listed kids that want to go play there. So uh, that's a tribute to them uh, for for. Getting in there and building a program and a culture that kids want to come play for. Uh, as far as the facilities and things like that, I mean that that's a that's a grind that took place from a lot of uh, you know families, a lot of uh, hard trench work and uh, things like that. And the, the dirt level, honestly, I mean you know you that that field was dirt and grass and rocks uh, before Blue Turf. So a lot of people uh, put in a lot of time, thought through a lot to get that project started. And to get that thing completed um so it's a definitely a community rallied around the you know the school and all of us to push and get that thing going uh, in the direction it's going now um it, it is a beautiful thing to see if you've not been down there on a friday night i would not be, pick a better place to watch a friday night football game at lincoln prep on a friday night with the city backdrop and everything that, that's that's going on down there It's great, man. I mean, you know, it was a lot of hard work, a lot of a lot of time, uh, a lot of sacrifice from a lot of people, and we made it happen. And now those kids have a home field that they get to play on. And and, you know, they they you know, it's a tribute to the kids. I mean, they they go out and they work hard and they they want to be the better, mentioned with the best kids in the metro area, and they are. I mean, there's no doubt about it. They're, they're, the talent level down at Lincoln Prep on the football field is excellent. Now, as far as all the other sports, you know, cross-country won, you know, districts last year. Tennis, uh, we had a, a freshman girl in tennis go to state, um, you know, last year. So, I mean, like, they won district. So, I mean, there's a lot of success going on in athletics down there. My job when I got there was to, you know, get with these coaches and create uh, an environment where, you know, everybody has the same goals and everybody is trying to push to be winners and and be successful and win championships um that that was when I got there, Lincoln's athletics wasn't necessarily a department. It was more just a group of individual sports. So my job when I got there, and what my mission was, was to make it an athletic department, uh, which we've been able to do. So, I mean, mm-hmm. that's a tribute to having great coaches around. I mean, you know, I'm only as good as the people that I work with every day in my administration, principal, vice principal, all those people. You know, mm-hmm. without working with good people, those things don't happen. You know, we, we work hard. The coaches, I will say this, the coaches that coach at Lincoln or in the inner-city period have a lot of challenges that they face that other coaches don't and other areas don't face. Uh, It's it's a tough, tough environment. It's tough to do. Um, So those coaches are definitely there because they love it. And the success that they have, everything is earned. So the Victor goes to spoil, so to speak. So, I mean, these guys are putting in, these guys and ladies are putting in a ton of hours and a ton of time to get where we are. And uh, it's a tribute to them and all of us just putting our nose down and just working our tails off. To make it is what it is, and I don't feel like we've even really scratched the surface yet. I think that uh, the next. Three to five years are when people will really, really see like the fruits of the labor that everyone's putting in. So, um, I'd like to create some other opportunities like golf and things like that. Um, you know, that we don't have, uh, you know, we were able to put a softball team together over the last couple of years and uh, that's growing. So, I mean, you know, it, it's, it's a daily grind, but I mean, if you, uh, if you love sports and you love uh, helping kids, then uh, this is what you do. And we're going to be successful based off of just, uh, these great kids that we have a great community of support with us and you know some great coaches and and people backing us up so we're we're on the right track I'm happy about it I'm not going to be satisfied obviously until we hang some state championship banners our girls basketball team went to -to back-to-back final fours Uh, COVID shut them down they they had probably their best chance at winning a state championship that year Uh, that was the second time they went to the final four so yeah we've had a tremendous amount of success when you have success though that puts a target on your back you know that makes everybody have those expectations that if you don't you if you don't do that well what happened so you know with, with, with that success comes you know even more responsibility but we're ready for that and uh, we're ready to push that thing forward and you know we're working day in and day out to get that to, to continue at all sports and get every sport up to that level to where they're competing for state championships every year so
1: mm-hmm. right you know Ryan we really really do appreciate you you know taking the time and talking you know Sam and I you really provided a lot of great content about you know your role obviously within the athletic department and then your role as As a coach and really mentoring these young athletes and developing them into better, not only basketball players or athletes, but just, you know, better people that can, that can be productive, you know, once their high school career is over. But, you know, Sam and I really appreciate it tonight.
2: Hey, man, thanks for having me. Anytime, man, um, you guys want me to come on, man. I love doing stuff like this. So, man, I appreciate you guys having me on, man. And, uh, you know, let me know how I can help you guys or promote your guys' shows and, uh, you know, your podcasts. Anything I can do to help you guys out, let me know, man.
0: Thank you very much, uh, Coach. And I'm looking forward to hopefully sharing this to a bunch of uh, youth and high school athletes that they can uh, help uh, help us learn and help learn from this. And uh, hopefully they'll uh, be able to be focused more on the fundamentals
2: yeah well, I mean, you know that they they need to hear that as much as possible these days, and uh hopefully uh if it if it gets through to one or two kids, man, then our job was done. you know what I mean absolutely
1: yeah, thank you so much, Ryan
2: all right, man you guys have a great night all that see you don't need nobody else, and you're
0: putting this all on me forget.